I'm Jason and he's Rich, and tonight it's a very special episode of Remastered because we have we have sound effects, special effects. Hence the 13 minute delay on our starting time. But yes, yeah, that we was do. a wild ride. It was, but we're here now. We made we made our destination. We can make sound do things on our computers, and it's going to be a lot of fun because tonight we're talking about some TV theme songs. And I don't know about your list, Rich. I haven't seen it. We haven't talked about our comparative songs that we've picked. But mine is full of stuff from the 1980s, a really healthy dose from the 70s, and a, a few from the 90s. Mine's very similar. Uh, this highlights the plight of the TV theme song, if nothing else. There, there are no TV theme songs nowadays, really. There are a couple. They're more like TV pre-stingers. Yeah. They, they last for 15 seconds, maybe. Uh, there's, there's just not what they used to be. They used to be big production pieces, big, uh, big melodic lead-ins that would eventually go into lyrics, and you'd get what about like minute, minute ten on a lot of these. Yeah, things? and you knew that an orchestra had to turn up for work that day, not, not, not even just a band, but an, an orchestra turned up, and that's that's incredible. You just... It really surprised me listening to a couple of these, previewing them. How many have? Maybe like 20 seconds of just purely instrumental stuff before it gets into the meat of what everybody knows as that theme song. Do you know what surprised me the most when researching this episode? How many absolutely diabolical cover versions there are of things in the <laughs> iTunes store. Not, oh, is want, that where you went for yours? It's where I started with Amazon and they their preview system isn't quite as easy. Um, so I, I hopped over to iTunes and it's the absolute garbage that they have for sale and it's it's not really their fault i know pretty much anyone can <laughs> submit something but so, these are just awful finding an original version of a tv theme is a very difficult thing to do in itunes in fact i'm uh, not sure i've managed it it's, i just wasted sales and you know headed over to a place where i knew i could get them very easily and quickly now uh, that that place that place, yes, yar. Yeah. So consequently, as we will play some samples of these tracks, mine will be a little ropey, somewhat. Hopefully, I'll I'll find some better versions of things as we go along. But some of them are just goddamn awful. Some of them I actually own anyway. I have a very strange collection of existing TV theme tunes. So. I've got a few to be going on with. And then there's just so many. So how did you arrange your list? Because, I, I, first of all, I was a bit of a stickler for the fact that theme song, to me, has lyrics. Uh, I think there might be a couple on my list that don't, uh, just because they're a little bit older. You know, I, I think that it's fair to say that in the 60s and the 50s, there were a lot of theme songs that were just little ditties. And maybe they had a chorus shouting the name of the show at the end of the theme song. But for, by and large, they, they were instrumental pieces. And then once you get into the 70s, the 80s, the, they're telling a story in the theme song. So there, there's some differences there. But I didn't really pick and choose that way. The, the way that I qualified the ones that are all on my list here, there's, I don't know, 30 that I have at my disposal. I just picked ones that I watched as a as a kid, you know, and made sure that I had some sort of a connection to them. There there were a few that I wanted to throw in there because I know that they're old standards that a lot of listeners are going to realize, but I did I didn't watch those shows, so I figured, hey, let's skip them. Let's let's talk about the ones that I loved. Fair enough, good plan. I've got quite a mix here. 
Uh, An alarming number of these are American, you know. I think we're going to run into a big problem if you if you try to play some of the ones that uh, that are purely British, because we've talked about this time and time again. The USA, good old USA, we export our culture to you, and then we close our ears to anything that's incoming. So we're a little bit, I mean, there's exceptions, but uh, by and large, we're pretty ignorant about the TV shows of other nations. Yeah. For, for example, if you were to play the theme song to Coupling, I'd have no idea. I don't know what the theme song to Coupling is. I imagine that's late enough to just have a tune, actually. But I know I, that I've watched like maybe two episodes of it. That's more than I've ever seen, actually. That that blonde young lady, quite fit. Oh, I she's like yeah, she's in lots of stuff though. So you can, I, I, yeah. Never mind. Uh, I've just never seen that one. These are <laughs> so suffice it to say, there are a lot of American theme tunes in this. Uh, I found one. You see, I've just been browsing all the the sort of uh, you know the hundred greatest TV themes compilations, and when you look at the English ones, we didn't. Even ourselves have themed songs until quite late. Were they more like short anthems or? Yeah, that sort of thing. I mean, there's lots of recognizable tunes, pieces of music, but not songs as such. That that also came along quite a a bit later. But I'll I'll kind of I compiled a, a sort of quick crude list of theme songs. There's actually only one here that's not a. That that's not American, and that's the theme tune to to Only Fools and Horses. Uh, but as far as theme songs, I have five here. I'll remove Only Fools and Horses, which is we'll come back to that. I'll play it for you later. Um, so just to make life easier, I'm going to give you these five in a. This is a random order. It's not like, but I think it's difficult to argue with these being absolutely timeless brilliant tv theme songs and are we gonna play this sort of like a game is it a name that tune sort of thing well we could but to be honest if you didn't guess any of these correctly i'd be worried about you (laughs) okay so these are your universal ones that everyone should know regardless Um, of age gender or place of origin i'm gonna try and you've convinced me i should try and play them and then people can hear what they are i think let me oh god no I've just i'm never i'm never prepared or I, I i prepare and then skip off pages of things and lose what i'm looking for and then you know what i'm going to jump the gun and just get rid of the most famous one right off the bat because if this isn't in that in that big five then i'm kind of worried right okay go for it <laughs> Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Yeah, that's on the list. Of course it's on the list. That's that's on the list. You know, my wife has an unhealthy obsession with Ted Danson. Do you know what? He's we've probably said this on the show that if I get to Ted Danson's age and I look like Ted Danson, I'm gonna be pleased with myself. Everybody makes fun of him because he's slightly balding and, you know, he's lost some weight. He looks a little bit more frail, but dude's what, like 65 or somewhere in that vicinity? I mean, he looks good for his age. He really does. He Not really that I does. would go after him. No. But, but I, I understand. I totally understand. And 
But anyway, the theme tune to Cheers is absolutely on that list. That's so one of those songs everybody knows. And everybody gets misty-eyed, too. Exactly. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come at you with another one from this list, which I think you might also have put on this list. This is a little bit more... I don't know. I, I would actually think that anyone our, our age, around our age, can, knows every lyric to this. To this. Uh, maybe even a little older. Well, I'll just... I'm Again, forewarning, this is a cover from the iTunes store. Uh, it is <laughs> it is hideous, right? It is not the original. This is not as it was performed on the television. But here we go. We'll see what happens. I love your expectations management. Oh, this is horrible. In West Philadelphia, born and raised On the playground was where I spent most of my days Chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool And I'll shooting some b-ball outside of the school When a couple of guys were up to no good Started making trouble in my neighborhood I got one little fight and my mom got scared She says you're moving with your auntie and uncle in Bel Air I begged him That oh, might Jesus. be the worst thing I've ever heard It's not even Will Smith I know how does that happen? How do they say, hey, come on, get in the recording booth. We're going to do a cover of the Fresh Prince theme. This album is a hundred tracks. This is all covers. It's all horrible. And and that was, well, that was just tw- track 26 of many, many horrible, horrible cover versions. What's the name of the album? It's just called 100 TV Themes. It's £7.90. It's strangely, it received 10 likes, but every review is one star. It says, it's awful. The, the top review is entitled, what the hell is this? <laughs> and how much does each of does each one of those tracks cost? There's 79 pence a track, but it's £7.90 for the whole album. So ah. you're making your money back there if you buy it all in once. Yeah. So that was, of course, the theme tune to The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Which with... I watched an episode of this morning while getting ready for work. Full disclosure. It's, it's the only rap song in the world that I can go all the way through. What about Jump Around by House of Pain? Even Jump Around. I don't know the words to Jump Around. I know Jump Around. I know that bit, but not another word. It Jump Around is one of those... You want, it's, it matters how you look when you're singing that one. Because it's always on so loud. No one knows if you're singing it right or not anyway. So just look like you mean it. And you'll get away with it. You know, I know that we're veering off already, but as R.E. House of Pain, I've always kind of wondered if they've got a lot of acceptance over there because they they pretend to be, to some extent, Irish. Right. I I don't know of them at all, really. I just know Jump Around. Okay. We we will skew back into theme songs then because I want to give you one of my favorites. And I have a feeling that a lot of your, and I'm putting this in air quotes, knowledge of American culture comes from this show. Okay. And I'm fine with that because I love this show. Here we go. Sunday, Monday, happy days. Tuesday, Wednesday, happy days. Thursday, Friday, happy days. The weekend comes. My cycle hums. Ready to race to you. These days are I mean, not much for a guessing game. No, but you, you're absolutely right. That was That's also on the list. You see, doesn't it say a lot that we've... There has been absolutely no communication between us about this, and the first few we've picked are identical. There is more rich that unites us than divides us. I'm just saying. 
I, I think you're absolutely right. I'm just that, no, I'm, that whole thing about English being the common language divided by a, what's the quote? What am I searching for here? We're a common language divided by a large ocean. Two two no two nations divided by a common language. That's it. And then you have to multiply by the square of I don't know. The square footage of I don't know either. But yeah. I'm gonna play you another one here and this one I'm a I don't know if you would have put this on the list, but it's I think you'll understand why I did. Uh, at least. Again, look out for the, the wacky version of this time. This time performed the artist is listed as the T V theme players. So <laughs> yeah. What might be right for you may not be right for some. A man is born, he's a man of means. Then along come two. They got nothing but their genes, but they got different, different strokes to taste. Different, different strokes to taste. Different strokes to move the world. Yeah, I had to put that on there. Of course he did, because Mr. Drummond was a nice old guy. He was a wonderful old man adopting those two little black children like that. Bless him. There's some weird racial overtones when you get into all that, but for its time, it was a revolutionary show. There's so much wrong with the premise of that show. I mean, I I enjoyed it very much when it was on, and I completely appreciate what they were doing. And But how does that... What governmental organization allows a rich single man to adopt two children like that. It just, it struck me as a little strange. Did it not you? Anyone else? Just a, a tiny bit. I mean, yeah, there, there was some weird family structure thing going on, but it was a time when it was okay, apparently, for an older man. The, the pedophile crisis hadn't yet come to the forefront, even though it was in full swing. It's just, we swept it under the rug back then. They did, but they did a pedophile episode of Different Strokes. Weird. Do you, do you not? Re- do you remember that one at all? Where there's a guy who tries to kidnap Arnold and molest him. I've got to be honest. I don't remember any of Different Strokes. It's right. just kind of one big blur. Like it, it, like there was only one episode, and it just went on for a long time. It did until he until Arnold got fat, but no taller. That was it. He just got quite chubby. As he got Poor older, Gary. Poor He's Gary. Dead now, you know. I know, but did you did this? I don't want to sound harsh now. I'm going to risk it. When he was told that he was going to live to like the age of fifteen, and he lived a long time. I mean, that's still that's better than he would have ever expected out of his life, isn't it? It's something that's okay to celebrate, is if you're giving a given a terrible. Uh, prognosis and you still managed to surpass it yeah that's yeah. that's what i'm saying he, he he did well to do that um i'm gonna play you another one um and this came up because i i watched a movie uh the other night and it, it's kind of like of course this of course this is uh in there let's see there might actually be an original version of this Oh, that doesn't sound like it is, but I'll go with it. Never mind. There we go. It's time to play the music. It's time to light 
am glad I didn't sing along because you, you know the temptation was there for the Muppet Show. But it, yeah, um, all all the different seasons of the Muppet Show have different opening lyrics. They switched around the the verses and some of the words and some of the comedy breaks and especially the Statler and Wardorf, uh, Waldorf interludes. So I knew I was going to mess up. I knew I would pick the wrong season. That was the version from the movie, which I I saw the other day and quite enjoyed. From the the Muppets, the the 2011 one. Yeah, the brand new one. I bought it as soon as it came out on DVD, and it's been played probably eight or nine times in our house already. It's really good. I enjoyed it quite a bit, but I'm a little bit of a Muppet file. Yeah, me too, to be honest. I, I think it's another one of those, you can't like the Muppets and not be a nice person kind of thing. It, it's also very, very safe. There's nothing threatening or at all stressful about the Muppets. There's no real climax in in a, any kind of a Muppet thing. There, You know, there's no... You know, you talk about narrative structure where you have your um, exposition and then your rising and then your climax and your falling action and your resolution. I mean, that's still there as far as storytelling goes, but there's nothing really threatening. You never ever fear for the Muppets. No, God, no. No, it's such a wonderful uh, thing in that sense. It, I, I just view it as some of the greatest comedy writing that there has ever been. It's it's well up there, especially the the classic stuff. And, you know, there needs to be a new Muppet show, but the problem is that variety shows don't exist anymore, so the old Muppet model is never going to work. Well, they do you remember they tried one? Um, they tried Muppets Tonight, which was a late-night talk show format. I enjoyed that. I thought it was a little bit weird, because that was the point in time... I can't remember whether Henson had died already. I think but he it had. Was, yeah, and I think that that was the big problem in my mind with it, was that it was... That Family Guy joke of wrong-sounding Muppets. Yeah, it, it, yeah, <laughs> I'm with you. It, I was quite pleased with the Kermit voice in the new movie. It wasn't bad at all, was it? No. I think it's been so long, too, that our memories are starting to fade. That's maybe true, and we just your memories have been updated with the new version. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that said, Rylan and I sat on the couch with a laptop on our lap and went to YouTube, and we watched probably about two two and a half hours of the muppet show the other day wonderful and, uh, it was a great afternoon because mommy was gone and we were just kind of sleepy and rylan didn't want to take a nap so we just sat there and we watched uh, the mark hamill episode that's i have that really one good. on dvd so good so very good we watched the uh why is the name failing me now the uh the second bond uh roger moore thank you we watched the roger moore episode we watched the Elton John episode, that which is personally my favorite. Again, I have that one on DVD. When he goes off on the Crocodile Rock, that's just so, so much fun. Absolutely. I, I The Muppets was just, it, because everyone who went on there went there to have fun and make fun of themselves. The, you, you could, it, it was, a, I often thought seeing people on the Muppets was actually a mark of who was actually probably quite a nice guy in real life. That yes. sort of thing. Like if you prepared to go on and be silly with some puppets and it it really shows something about you as a performer that you're willing to do that. Which is why I love catching clips now of big stars on Sesame Street right exactly. alongside of Muppets. Yeah, absolutely. I mean there's there are a few schmucks who go on there to do it for publicity or whatever, but most of the time it's just really great people. And I mean, it's one of those things that you would jump at. If you were offered, do you want to be on a Muppet show? 
do you want to be in a Muppet film? Like, you wouldn't do that. You, Let me you, think about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I was so, so jealous of uh, Jason Siegel who got to write this new Muppet movie. And till you sort of see him interviewed about it and you realize you're not watching a grown up being interviewed about a piece of work he's done. You're watching a five year old absolutely wetting himself that he got to be in a film with Kermit the Frog. <laughs> and it, yeah. he, you could see that he was having the exact same reaction to doing it that I would have done. And so I, can, I totally enjoyed it. And it was nice to know that it was done by somebody who appreciated every minute of it. And I thought he did a really good job of taking it and updating it. Because if done it by the wrong person for the wrong reasons, it could have been an absolute mess. And we would have hated the Muppets. It would have been the, the same problem that the Star Wars prequels had. Yes. Uh, and you know what? I'd have been much sadder about it with the Muppets. The Muppets, to me, just... Uh, I, I, they're more special than Star Wars. Wow, I didn't know you felt I, that I think them... In terms of everything that it represents, in terms of how it makes you feel when you watch it, how universal it is, how never-ending it is, it's I think it's bet better than Star Wars. We're going to talk all about the Muppets on an episode, right? We're gonna yeah, we, sh we have to do this now. We have to do we a Muppets to. episode. But we should go back to the list. We should. Hey, I'm going to play you uh, one that I'm not sure you're going to know. Okay, go for it. This is kind of a weekday, midday standard in the United States. Let's see if you know it. Okay. I don't know it straight away, but I'm guessing that is some sort of game show. It is a game show. I want to say let's make a deal. It's not let's make a deal. It is, however, still on the air to this very day. Have you ever heard of The Price is Right? Oh, absolutely. We, we had that too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, did you have the U.S. version or did you have a Britishized version? No, we, we had a British version and not for a very long time. I, I think it was sort of an 80s thing and it kind of went away. Mm. Uh, the thing in the United States is that it was a long running thing. And Bob Barker, who was the host here, kind of became everyone's, I don't know, kind of like a surrogate grandpa. Yeah. And he was just this kindly old gentleman that everyone trusted. And whenever a contestant got up on stage to play some of his wonderful pricing games, he would kind of, you know, put his arm around them and they would just squeeze him and like just hold him tight. And it was it was always this weird thing where everyone was. I don't know, it was very much a part of American culture. It was wrapping cult, uh, capitalism up with love and combining the two. Yeah. <laughs> how much have you been shopping a lot then you'll be good at this game <laughs> that's exactly it but now it's uh drew carey is the host he took over when barker retired yeah it's never really been the same see we had uh yeah we did have the prices right i can't remember who it was presented by and it wouldn't be a name that would mean anything to you anyway uh but we certainly have had and i i think there's an argument this seems to happen much more in game show hosts. I think because they're going through a moment of stress with a member of the public. But that idea of sort of the nation's surrogate grandfather. I think we've got we we've got and have had 
a number of people that could have been put in that role over the years. I don't know if you've ever heard of Bruce Forsyth, who's been no, a, not at all. He, he's been a, a big uh, British TV personality since almost since there was television, sort of going back to the early 50s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's still on television today, presents Strictly Come Dancing today. That That's his thing. And he's always been on television. Bob Monkhouse was an, another one who presented just so many television programs. Just, I mean, and specifically game shows, I mean. Uh, the, the, the nation just loves these people. There's a weird thing with game shows where they seem to have their continuity based on the host. Like, uh, do, do you have Wheel of Fortune? Yes, we do. Our Wheel of Fortune has been hosted since its inception by Pat Sajak. He's still going strong. Jeopardy, Alex Trebek. Still, the guy's not going to retire anytime soon, I don't think. Jeopardy's been on the air for, what, like 30 years? Yeah, we. I don't know what long-running game shows we have. I don't think we have any left now. No, really? Um, they, they're just... I remember them being huge in the 80s game shows here. They really were. And every night of the week, different game show, different thing. You'd know people who'd been on. And then we kind of went through a period where game shows became cleverer. They stopped being about doing silly things and having fun and were genuinely about how clever you were. Uh, and that's when we, I think we invented Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and things like that. Yeah, there doesn't really seem to be a pattern that game shows fall into anymore. They're really kind of scattershot as far as whether they're fun or serious or thinkers or just pure luck. But there did there was that boom in the early 2000s where they just were shooting them all at TV as fast as they could because it was the reality show resurgence. And they thought, hey, if reality shows are cheap, we don't need writers for them. Let's bring back the game show. It's the same thing. We'll cash in on that. And now they're kind of starting to disappear a little bit. But. Over here, we do still have those uh, those big three institutions: The Price Is Right, Wheel of Fortune, and Jeopardy. They're they're the big three, the holy trinity of game shows, and they are the TV equivalent of comfort food. It's just what you flick on. As a matter of fact, with with uh, The Price Is Right, that's kind of like if you were to stay home sick from school and not go in, you would lay down on the couch. Your mom would bring you a blanket, some chicken noodle soup, and at eleven o'clock Eastern Standard Time, you'd turn on the tube. You would watch some Bob Barker. See now, I'm I'm remembering that we do have one, you know, the one long running uh, quiz show that comes to mind that I've forgotten is Countdown. Uh, but even that is it's a fantastically intelligent show. It's what's what's Countdown? Right, Countdown is a word and number game, and basically it's sort of a it's the one where you get you pick a load of random letters and then you have to make the longest lettered word out of that, beating your mm-hmm. opponent. There's also the here's a load of random numbers and you have to get them to add up or reach this random number sort of thing. The prize for winning the series is a 26-volume dictionary. That's cheap. Yeah. but That's, it's, that's a hack prize. Yeah, but the point is is that these are people who don't care about money. They just care about the words. And so that's what they want. A list of all the words is their prize, not a holiday. Do, do they have the internet? Apparently not. Um, but this, this TV shows, but that's been on for sort of 20, 25 years. It's popular with students because it's on sort of at a time of day where if you've got a real job, you wouldn't be home to see it. Mm -hmm. But if you're a student, 
they lo- they love it so it's you'll get teased about that a lot as a student is i hope you're enjoying countdown doing nothing at four o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> hey as long as we're talking about surrogate family members let's let's do this one Rich, would you like a jello pudding pop? The good old Cosby show. This was this went through many versions of its theme tune, didn't it? It did. Every season was a little bit different from the the big production to a little tiny jazz. Uh, you know, of course, Cliff Huxtable loved his jazz, so they were always changing that up. Absolutely. Loved me some Cosby Show. I never once worried about... It's, it's only in recent years that I've heard people go, hang on, how much younger is his wife than him? I've, I never thought that when it was on, originally. I still don't think that. But isn't what, she why? supposed to be... Doesn't she look, like, way younger than him? Like, it was always questionable how Dr. Cliff Huxtable got this woman in the first place. Well, I don't think so. Um, Maybe that's just something that's joked about here, then. I don't know. I really don't want to go here, but I'm going to anyway. I can't tell how old black people are. Okay. Now we're on an episode of 30 Rock, but I'll come here with you. They, I... yeah, they did make a joke about that on... Uh... What was it? Uh, Sam Jackson, wasn't it? Yeah. How old is he? 25? A thousand? I don't know. He's 60-something, isn't he? Samuel L. Jackson. The the folks that I have seen on TV and many that I know in real life seem to age very gracefully. Yes. Until they hit a certain peak. And then it's like a, a stack of bricks hits them all at once. I'm actually no good at telling how old people are. Of any colour, which is how I feel better about not being able to tell how old black people are. I can't tell how old anybody is. I'm useless at it. I look at myself in the mirror and I don't see a man in his 30s. Alison assures me I very much do look like a man in his 30s. But I don't see that. I don't know how old anyone is. I'm atrocious at it. I hope I never have to identify somebody for the police or... Something like that, because I, I can't describe someone. How old did he look? I have no idea. Just, uh, this, this topic is poison. It is. Let's move away. <laughs> let's move away. I'll, let's pick another th- a TV theme. Well, that, because I was going to say, that's the end of my songs, as in definitely has lyrics. Because then you open up the whole wide world of music played at the beginning of TV shows. And that's just, there's just so many that are so iconic. I've just been playing the what is this from game with Alison. She's awful. Awful. Now that doesn't make sense. How is she awful at that? Because when it comes to identifying music, oh, right. she is brilliant. She's like, she she is the, uh, what, what was the name of the guy from, uh, why can't I think of names today, Rich? What is happening? I don't know. Rain Man. Yeah, She's she, like Rain Man. Yeah, she is. But I've Rain identified woman. the difference, right? Because I've I've had a I've had hints of this. Let's call it a mental illness. Before, um, yeah, she she is like Dustin Hoffman in Rain Man when it comes to popular music and that sort of thing. However, when it comes to music which is associated with some sort of 
visual form, the whole system breaks down. Really? Yeah. You can't play her the theme, the, the music from the movie Jaws and have her tell you that it's from the movie Jaws. No, surely that's hyperbole. No. I played her, but no more than an hour ago, the theme tune to Hawaii Five O. Now, I think most people would recognize that as a fairly iconic TV theme. Yeah, now that you mention it, I don't think that I would. I never watched a single episode of that show, either the old one or the remake. Well, neither did I, but I'm very well uh, accustomed to the, the theme tune, which is why I classed it as one of those sort of, surely everyone knows this, because I know it, and I've never do seen you, it. Do you have it right there? I, hang on, I will... Uh... It's it's probably on this one. TV themes of the uh... oh god, how do you spell Hawaii? And I'll look for it. H a w a i i. Yeah, H a. Uh, right. Okay. Oh, hang on. Hawaii five o. Uh oh, this is this is Hawaii five point oh. That's not gonna be right. Oh here we go. Does that ring any bells? It does, but the problem is that I don't know where to tag it. Had, had you not told me that it was Hawaii Five-O, I would have maybe said Quincy or Chips or any of the other dozens of police procedurals from the 70s. She guessed Kojak. Was okay, I can see that. Yeah, okay. that, I mean, it falls right into that same kind of category. Um, let's see. There was this other one. I, I nearly got angry. With her not recognizing this one, actually, let's see if you recognize it. I'll just, just bear with me one second. Okay, here we go. It, again, it might not be the best version of it, but we'll we'll see what happens. See if you know what this one is. She was like, "What's no? Don't know that one." Like, are you serious? Yeah. So you say you've probably never seen the show that's on? Yeah, I'll never have seen that. I have no idea what that is. She's like, okay, right, fine. Just let no, that one go. Legal is the best. I've got it all on DVD. It's on my shelf right behind me. And uh, probably the best version of that theme song is where Denny Crane, a.k.a. Captain Kirk, plays it on the kazoo. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's one of the great all-time shows, that. Uh, I need to go back and rewatch it. It is one that gives you both elation and just absolute depths of sadness when you think about the way things are in, in the U.S. Yeah, they're just... It, it shows the very best and the very worst that we have to offer. And it has William Shatner. That automatically... I already said the very best we have to offer. Yeah, Rich. there you go. Fair enough. <laughs> By the way, here's that Chips theme. Just, just so you can hold it up to the Hawaii Five O and compare it to see what I'm talking about. They're extremely, extremely similar.
You know what I mean? They're they're kind of that nondescript big brass sound. Yeah, that's it's a good one for cop shows though. Right. I mean, that's why it falls into that that problem is that uh, they I don't know. It, do you think it was TV that created that kind of association or did we already for some reason have that association in our mind? This is what police music should sound like. I think maybe TV started that. I, I maybe it helped. It certainly helped with it. I mean, do you recognize this one which would have been a very early version of it? See, that's Dragnet. Thank you. I, I knew exactly what it was. I just couldn't remember the name of it. Uh, starting Colonel Potter, right? Yeah. Uh, a classic TV show. I've, again, one, I, <coughs> I, it, it's one people our age, it's very hard to watch now. It's a very old-timey cop show. There's not a lot redeeming about it when you compare <coughs> it to, to what is in vogue now. No, I I tried to. It runs on TV here occasionally on one of the weird numbered channels, and I tried to get through it just to have watched an episode of Dragnet, and I I just couldn't. Now you didn't watch it, Dragnet at all when you were a little kid. Did you skip over it? It was never on TV. Hmm. Um, see, when I was little, I think I've told you this before, we lived way out in the boondocks for a while, and we only got really one TV channel that came in. And that TV channel showed an awful lot of public domain stuff and stuff that could be gotten very cheaply, which meant, you know, older rerun type stuff. So lots of shows from the 50s, lots of shows from the 60s, lots of shows from the 70s. And so I know a lot of those very old theme songs and watched a lot of that very old TV. So when I was growing up, as I started very young and got very older, uh, that was a stupid grammatical construction, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, I kind of watched TV from where it started and then kind of grew up as the shows got older and older and older. So I got that kind of transitional grounding all the way through. Yeah. And I wonder about kids who flick on the TV now and watch modern stuff without ever having known that really simple, extremely dumbed down older television it's kind of like some some kid who plays uh mario 64 without ever playing super mario brothers no i know precisely what you mean because i i felt that way about things myself i mean more so when i was a kid and you're less willing to give things a chance like oh it's in black and white i'm not gonna watch that that sort of attitude and to be fair a lot of that has stayed with me into adulthood i've been kind of facing this as I was going to show our neighbor's kid Star Trek because she's never seen Star Trek. And where do you start? Because I'm, I'm worried that I would put on an original series episode and it's just so far behind anything she has a frame of reference for. Yeah, I can right. see that she'd just dismiss it as crap. I see where you're coming. And, and people are starting to say the same thing about TNG, although I don't see it, which might say more about me than society but i mean if i were gonna say if i were gonna show someone star trek for the first time that's where i jump in is season three about three quarters of the way through of the next generation see i've been also i thought about that sort of when it gets good but then i also thought if you haven't got the investment in the characters that you build up over season one and two then does season three mean as much is 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 that more disorienting coming into just the middle of a a show like that 
I don't think that there's much that they do with the characters in the early seasons that can't easily be picked up in season three or four, because that's where they really get to the meat of the characters. And also they change a lot from the first couple of seasons. They do away with a lot of stuff like Captain Picard. When you first meet him terrified of children, doesn't know how to act around them. Yeah. Wishes that they would be off the enterprise. By season three, that's kind of something that the writers dropped entirely. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. They, they, they do. They change the characters significantly. So maybe it would be okay, I suppose, then. Yeah. Hey, here's another cop theme song for you to identify. A little bit of a slow lead-in. I'm guessing from the lyrics that was 21 Jump Street. That's why I let it play so long. I didn't think that there was much chance that many people would remember the early part of that song. I don't remember any part of that song, I'm afraid. Are you familiar with the show? I am familiar of what it is. I've never seen it. It was one that we actually watched quite a bit. And help me out. I mean, would that have been 91, 92? Somewhere in there? Yeah, early 90s. I remember it being a show that was on Sky. Before Johnny Depp was a star, certainly. Yeah, yeah. Because it was him and Richard Grieco were the the main headliners. Yeah, he did. He was the one that didn't do so well. I've seen him in other stuff. Um, the movie Teen Agent, which I quite enjoyed when I was about 12 or something around that age. Um, but I never saw 21 Jump Street at all. Um, yeah. It was. It was kind of... Uh, the Mod Squad, brought up to a 90s standard. Right. Well, there's the movie as well. We nearly watched that on Friday night, but Will insisted it wasn't worth paying the rental price for. So. From the little that I saw on the previews and trailers, eh, I, I'm not going to see that. When it's a wacky comedy film and Will Tristram says no, you damn well listen to him. It's <laughs> all I'd say. It's it's just one of those things. If Will says I'm not, it's not that good. Okay, fine, because you like Transformers, so uh, yeah, it must be pretty. The first Transformers wasn't terrible. He dismisses them all in a kind of well, it's big robots fighting, isn't it? It's like, oh. No, no, it's not. The third one is an insult. The third one is Michael Bay's "fuck you" to me, is what it is. I, I haven't watched the third one. I watched the <coughs> second one and had a terrible time trying to figure out where it was going. Yeah. It was just so disconnected and really frenetic. The the third one is so bad, it might as well have a flash frame cutting of Michael Bay mooning the audience. <laughs> it's, it's just an insult. It's an absolute, you will pay for anything I put this Transformers name on. It and seems like he has just given up and has started, instead of inserting like, I don't know, plot elements and motivation and character development. He just throws an explosion up there on the screen and walks away. Yeah. That's pretty much it. What upset me the most about the third one was because he had uh, Leonard Nimoy in it, he had to have his character say, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. 
at some point. Like that's Leonard Nimoy's personal catchphrase. I don't have a problem with that. That was where he crossed the line for me. It's like, not only have you made a shit film, you're going to drag good stuff into it even more and try and rescue it like that. Well, that doesn't wash with me, Michael Bay. <laughs> Quite frankly, it's just not a good enough effort. So that's, that's my uh, review of Transformers 3. In a nutshell, it's an insult of a movie. Not just bad, it's an insult. Let's move on to theme tunes. What do you have? <laughs> do you know, I'm, I'm looking at this list and I realise there is a sort of... Things tend to group together in, in, in their theme tune in terms of their, their styling and their production. Like, you know when you're listening to a theme tune of a Jim Henson TV show? Like the Muppet Show, like Fraggle Rock, that sort of—they're all very close. And the other one that I'm noticing is the sort of the Aaron Spelling TV show, which they all seem to be of a similar ilk. I bet the same person wrote them all. Is actually is the A Team included in that? I feel like it is. I don't think you can. It's so different from anything else that he did. Um, but you know, T.J. Hooker as well. See, when you said Aaron Spelling, I immediately thought that you were going to go to Melrose Place 90210 territory. Again, those group together. You can also go there. It's whatever style of show he's making. It's all very similar. I don't know. It would be good if I had some examples, but I've lost the A-team as one, so... Here you go. I've got it. In 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. One of the best theme tunes ever. And I, I kind of wanted to just let it keep on playing in the background, but it was almost over anyway. It, it is, for me, the standard on which all other theme tunes are based. I love the ones that tell you what happened in the show at the beginning really quickly. Yeah, right, I, it's, I, it's something that more shows would do well to include, especially if they're episodic. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you up with another example of this right away, because it's ready to go. And it Duke didn't House. have the damn sample on it. I thought it had it. I'm, I've, I've blown it, but I'll, I'll play it in case you guess what it is. That, of course, was the theme tune to Quantum Leap. Okay. Uh, which starts with the Theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. And you get the explanation. He woke to see mirror images that were not his own. His only guide on this journey was Al, the hologram that only Sam could see and hear. I didn't know you were going to do the whole thing. I could. I won't. But it tells you what's going on. They should do that more. That first part, it was very synth, very Doogie Howser. I thought that that's what it was. It was when, it, when you just blasted that two seconds of it. Yeah, I uh, I never saw Doogie Howser either. It it was on here, but never watched it. 
and I did play the theme tune back to myself earlier, so I know what you're talking about, but I didn't, it, it didn't ring anything with me. I didn't really recognize it. I'm afraid. How about, uh, how about this one, Rich? Dr. David Banner, physician, scientist, searching for a way to tap into the hidden strengths that all humans have. Then an accidental overdose of gamma radiation alters his body chemistry. And now when David Banner grows angry or outraged, a startling metamorphosis occurs. It fits the, the pattern. It does. It does indeed. And I think it's brilliant. Every, I'm just now imagining what life would be like if every TV show did that. All of them. Just every TV show started with an explanation of what was going on in general. Like, you know, I think more superhero movies in particular <coughs> would be good to follow that pattern because uh, the Incredible Hulk movie, this is actually the perfect example to tie it in. The Incredible Hulk movie, the second one that was made, the one with Ed Norton. I'll class it, that as the proper one. Right, right. The one that didn't blow goats. Uh, but at the very beginning, they did the visual equivalent of that theme song right there. They did uh, the entire Bruce Banner, Incredible Hulk origin story, wrapped it up in about a minute and a half, and then went on to the plot of the actual movie. They didn't ha feel like they had to tell the same old story again for an entire 90 minutes. It's a good plan. It's a good way of doing things. And I don't know why more superhero movies don't, because like this recent relaunch of the Spider-Man universe, uh, um, I haven't seen it yet, but from what I'm told, here we go. Here's Peter Parker's origin story again, even though you just got it in 2001. I just take exception to the fact that that film was made again at all. I think it's too soon, and I think they just have to prove that they're keeping making Spider-Man movies, because they have to to keep the rights to them. Otherwise, they revert back to Marvel, which is essentially what we want, really, because uh, Spider-Man should be in the movies with all those other characters we've been watching. I think that if you're going to pick a superhero uh, franchise that Sony has done, then Spider-Man probably isn't the one that you want to criticize. Spid they, they've done all right with Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2, these were okay movies. Don't, don't get me started on the third one. No, the third one was bad. That's the one where Peter Parker goes emo. Yeah. And does a dance number in the middle of the movie. Yeah, I had forgotten about that bit. I've only yeah, seen but, it uh, once. But two out of three ain't bad, as Meatloaf would say. And I, I hardly think that that's... If you want to pick a franchise on which to criticize Sony, you want to choose the Fantastic Four. Yeah. I, I See, I have no big connection to them, I suppose. But yeah, they could be done better. Mind you, I've I've heard I I, I was it Michael Starr likes those. I think he just likes Jessica Alba, which it's hard to get at him for, to be perfectly honest. Um, I have an interesting thing I want to do here. I want to play you some. There's an album here I found on iTunes called British TV Classics, and these are I think all British people listening will automatically know what all of these are, and I'm just curious to see which, if any you can recognize. Oh God, I'm crossing my fingers and just right. hoping that Mr. Bean's on there. It's not. Uh. This is probably just an, ep an exercise in, no, don't know what that is. 
my chances just went from 2% to 0%. I think so. I'm going to start with something that might be easy. We'll see. I, see, I don't know. If you know it, you know it. If you don't, you don't. So that's, that's it, really. See if you know this one. That was actually Black Adder. It was that was Black Adder. That was and yeah. well done because that wasn't a really good sample of it, to be honest. Right, let's try something a bit different. Now this is an equivalent. This is our cop drama. This is an awful version. No. Uh, Never heard that piece of music in your life? I'm Googling to see if there's even anything that I can relate to. No, I don't think... That's from... Right, that's actually from The Bill, which is... I think it it was possibly something like the longest-running police drama on British television. Something stupid like that. It was a sort of four-night-a-week police drama. And it, it just ran for years and years and years. I used to watch it. It was actually quite good for a while. Uh, just set in a police station, which was far less spectacular than any American TV drama. Because don't forget, we can do, in British TV dramas, you can do the episode where someone's got a gun. (gasps) And stuff like that. Someone's got a gun. Oh my God, what are we going to do? And then you can get an episode. It would be a pretty laughable villain. It would. didn't even have a gun. It would. The, the, you know, it's it's less so now because the police are much more well armed and ready to smash your head in. Uh, but oh no, he's got a plank of wood with a small nail sticking out the end. Oh, what are we gonna <laughs> do? It's that's what it used to be like. Right, try this one. You might get this one. This is an incredibly famous piece of music. Whatever it is, I like it. That was the I mean, theme- it's very Muppetesque. That was the theme tune to Coronation Street. <laughs> okay. Is that a soap opera? It's actually, I believe, it's either the world's longest-running TV show or second-longest-running TV show. The first might be something Mexican. I'm not sure. but I have heard you from time to time refer to Coronation Street, but I still haven't figured out what it is. Coronation Street has been on at least three times a week since 1950. I'm going to just type it into Google because it's easy enough to do. See, I got to C-O-R on Google and it's it knows what I was saying. Uh, here we go. First broadcast. Come on. 1960. 
9th of December 1960 to this day. Um, oh, right. No, it's the longest, world's longest running TV soap opera in production after the United States soap opera As the World Turns. Oh, no, after that ended, it became Coronation Street. I <laughs> see. Right. That's it. Hey, can I beat you to the punch on this one? Because it's probably the only other piece of British TV music that I'm going to get. And, and I know it, and you know it, and our listeners know it, so let's just shove it out of the way. That's the 63 version, but I, I think that, that's the only thing on this list that actually came out of the new millennium. That's the best version as well. I think I, I prefer the classic Doctor Who theme tune. It's just wonderful, isn't it? It's great. It's just wonderful. And the way it was made with the stretching the tapes and everything, just so clever. So, Wait, so, so that, clever. That's how it is. It's not a pheromon at all. Uh, let me confirm this because again, this was another thing Michael Starr blabbled on to me about one night, and that could <laughs> that could mean anything. Uh, Doctor Who theme tune, the making of. <coughs> there is a Wikipedia page for the Doctor Who theme music. Uh, How could there not be? It's a piece of music composed by Ron Grainer and realised by Delia Derbyshire at the BBC Radiophonic Workshop. Created in 1963, it was one of the first electronic music signature tunes for television and after nearly five decades remains one of the easily most recognised. Let's see. The original 1963 recording of the Doctor Who theme music is widely regarded as a significant and innovative piece of electronic music recorded well before the availability of commercial synthesizers. Uh, Delia Derbyshire of the BBC Radiophonic Workshop used music concrete techniques, and that's a link, so that's the thing, uh, to realise the score written by composer Ron Grainer. Each note was individually created by cutting, splicing, speeding up and slowing down segments of analog tape containing recordings of a single plucked string, white noise, and the simple harmonic waveforms of test tone oscillators, which we use for calibrating equipment and rooms, not creating music. Uh, the swooping melody and pulsating bass rhythm was created by manually adjusting the pitch of oscillator banks to, carefully to a carefully timed pan. The rhythmic hissing sounds, bubbles and clouds, were created by cutting tape recordings of filtered white noise. There you go. And this goes on. It's, it's massive. I couldn't sit here and read it all in the show. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to that. Uh, so that's what it was. As I believe, it actually caused just a bit of a stir because it was a woman that made it, you know. And what she was doing, messing with equipment in, in 1963, I, I just don't know. But that was the part of the problem as well. Really? Yeah, it was one of those I things. I think the theremin is probably one of those instruments that gets misidentified quite often too. Cause I, I thought for sure that that Dr. Who theme song used it. And I've been told in the past that I was wrong, that the Star Trek theme didn't actually use it either. No, it didn't. No, no, 
Uh, I'm just looking here at the Wikipedia for the Star Trek song. It says electric organ and synthesizer were used a couple of times. Other than that, it was mainly uh, Luli Jean Norman, a studio soprano. That was it. Uh, there were lyrics as well for the Star Trek theme song. I have heard them cited. Yeah. And I have actually, I think once on Atomic Trivia War, heard you quote them. Did I really? I'm pretty sure you did. Yeah. I, I believe you, you came on the show as a guest. You answered some Star Trek questions and then you were challenged and you accepted the challenge, but you, you, you took it on quite nicely to recite some of those lyrics. I can't remember them now. <laughs> so if I did that, I promise I wasn't cheating. I don't remember. It's cheating. basically just the love boat in space. Yeah, it is. It was, it was done. Uh, I think someone who wrote the theme tune came back and demanded money for it. Uh, and due to some loophole or something, it was discovered he only owned the rights to the lyrics, but because there were none, he owned the thing. So Gene Roddenberry knocked up some lyrics right there and then and went, there you go, fuck off. Um, and that's it. That's why they exist at all. <laughs> so it was just to get rid of someone who wanted money. That, that might, I might well have that, the intricacies of that story incorrect, so please, people, go and look that one up. But that's, that's the gist of it, I think. So the theme tune lyrics come out of all kinds of things. God, I've... I've it, it remind. I just love actually browsing through them all. And there's so many, again, that I could play that wouldn't mean anything to you, that are just such an intrinsic part of my own childhood. It is quite the nostalgia fest, but yes, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to get down on my knees here and apologize. That, uh, like I said, it's that, that one-way culture exportation that we do. Yeah, I mean, things like Rosie and Jim, which just reminds you of the creepiest television program that was ever made. It was, have you ever heard me talk about Rosie and Jim? Not at all. This was a kids' TV show. It may well still be made, but they changed it from being the creepy, creepy format that it was when I watched it. Um, it was about this man called John who lives on his longboat on the canals. And he has these two rag dolls called Rosie and Jim, and they get they come to life and have an adventure. And As he, they do. And he writes it down in a storybook. That's that's it. But he doesn't really know that they actually come to life and have an adventure. But the so whole, it could all be in his head. Well, the whole show starts off with him saying, "Hello, my name's John, and I live on my boat with my two dolls, Rosie and Jim." And sometimes I like to pretend that they come alive. And you just think, hmm, I don't really want to think about what you pretend they do when you're alone with those two children dolls on your boat, John. That's, that's really upsetting, actually. And it's, it's just one of those things that was probably meant completely innocently when it was created. But you watch it and it's, no, that's, that's actually really twisted and creepy. Why does he live alone on his boat with these two dolls that look like kids? That's just wrong. That's not a TV show for children. Take it off. And so they got rid of him and replaced him with a frumpy old lady. And it's much less frightening like that. You know, I just looked up the picture to see what we were dealing with here. Because I kind of had a hunch that it might be analogous to our Raggedy Ann and Andy. Yeah. And it's not at all. This is totally different. No, it's, it's, and it was, it was just creepy, man. It was just wrong. There was something, this guy, why has this guy got these, these kid dolls? What does he do? 
What is he mooring his boat near schools? What's going on here? It's not right. And so they got rid of him. <laughs> so I assume other people uh, realized the problem. So there, there you go. Yeah, it looks like it's still being made. Uh, so yeah, he went. Oh, well. Oh, it's Disney Channel UK now. Oh, what? Until 99. Yeah, it's very well over. Never mind. I saw, yeah, I saw it here 90 to 2000. So I don't know if that was just, you know how some shows like, like Scooby-Doo, there's 50 different Scooby-Doo's. Yeah, there and are. They, they relaunch them under a different name every so many years. I, I'm wondering if maybe that's the case. It might well be. It might well be. Um, they definitely needed to change it. It's, it makes me laugh so it's just thinking about it what was he doing did no one question this when it was being made did no one on production say why does he do this what does he do when he pretends they come alive it's wrong oh well enough of him do we have anything else how long have we been going I'm not set to time here oh, we've been going about an hour and say we've done 1,974 bars, or measures in American. Oh, really? You call yeah. them differently? Yeah. That's, that's interesting. We, our music is made up of bars, yours is measures. You also have uh, beats, half beats, all these other things, and we don't. I think we have uh, much more European-based names. I did study music at degree level. I should be able to say stuff like this, but... Uh, the fact that I don't have a music degree might be becoming obvious at this point. You know, I'm fairly certain that we do call them bars as well. It might, there'll be some, it, you know, it's one of those things that it doesn't matter. And I think depending on who you're talking to, they would either care or not care. And it was one of those, when, when I started really studying music as opposed to just playing it and enjoying it, I ran into these people a lot and they just pissed me off. <laughs> These were the people that were upset that when I did musical recitals that I used something, that an instrument that needed to be plugged in. It was that level of snootiness and snobbishness. It's plugging it in. Yes, it's an electronic keyboard. It has to be plugged in. Sorry. <sighs> terrible. Absolutely terrible. Where Do we have anything else to say about this? I'm other than playing a few more that I know you wouldn't get. And it's, it's so upsetting that you don't get these. I know. Do you, do, I uh, do you know this piece of music? Hang on. Does that... Ring yeah, it. actually, I, I do. That's the famous German sitcom Klogmeister and the Chimp. <laughs> That's actually Captain Pugwash. Uh, it, it sounds just as implausible as my title did. I, I only bring it up because I think this, this is a, a TV show you should look into. Uh, this was a kid's show. Uh, something, let's see, publication date, 1950. Oh, I actually... Yeah, it was done redone in the 70s in colour. So this is something my dad watched when he was a kid. Oh, wow. But the point of this, it, it has lots... Hang on. No, ignore me. I've been completely lied to. 
about yeah it, it was a oh i can't believe this this is crazy it, it turns out that there was always this thing that people used to say about this show that it has really dodgy names of characters that were supposed to be really sexually suggestive but washed over the heads of the children that the show was actually made for like one of the the crew of captain pug rush's boat was called seaman stains oh, and wow. things like that and as i'm looking at the wikipedia page now for it i'm finding out that that's also oh hang on there is a persistent urban legend repeated by the now defunct newspaper uh, sunday correspondent that describes sexually suggestive names such as master Bates, seaman stains <laughs> And Roger the Cabin Boy. <laughs> so it's right. There you go. I have just learned that that is bollocks. I'm, I, for one, am glad. So am I. Repeated by The Guardian in 1991. Well, I, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed about that. I thought I was going to lead you to this hilarious thing. No, it's all made up. <laughs> But at least now I know that. I won't repeat that again. Thank God I only did it on a live show for broadcast over the internet. No one will ever hear. God, couldn't have done that one quietly at home. Never mind. You know, Rich, I have really enjoyed this topic tonight. It's I, TV themes are just full of happiness. As, as I'm sitting here, I, I honestly, I spent an hour before this show started just sitting playing these. It must have been Dr- Alison driving, dr- driving Alison at the wall. Uh, I can't speak tonight. My apologies. But she happily sat there while I went, you know, played tune after tune. What's this from? What's this from? All of them. She's saying, I don't know. I don't know. She just sat there for an hour. Bless her. I don't know. You know, Lisa and I play this game too on YouTube, uh, unconnected entirely to remastered. But uh, from time to time, we will sit down with the laptop and just go, hey, you remember this show? So this is quite a bit of fun. As a matter of fact, I've got about 35 more of these. Do you want to do this again next week? Yeah, absolutely. I could sit and do this all night. Because here's the thing. We promised people that we would talk about raising Arizona, and we haven't. No. That's really my fault again, because I didn't have a chance to sit down and watch it. But I I see no problem with forestalling that promise and just, uh, you know, putting it off a little bit. Because this really is fun. Yeah. I don't think people will object to this. Not at all. Well, what are they going to do? Send us your letters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Send us anything you like. I've got a spam button. That's <laughs> fine. That's fine. But yeah, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't get to watch the film, people. It's been a stressful last few days, actually. We had Craig's wedding, which was a, a nice night away. So that takes up so much time. But also, the store broke. And that's just the stuff of nightmares. Um... And then my dad got a new TV, so I had to go to Doncaster and set that up. Your dad still can't set up his own TV? No, 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 no. I refuse to believe that. My dad won't set up his own TV. That's the correct way of putting it. That's that's it. My dad won't set up his own stuff. Why do it? Because eventually I'll turn up at his house and do it for him. So he got a new TV, and I had to go and set that up. And it was... You know... I love my father-in-law, but a few years ago when he got his big screen LCD, I thought for sure I was going to get a call. Instead of calling me, though, he called the Geek Squad. Oh, which no. Which is just laughable. Yeah. Yes. I've spoken to the Geek Squad. 
They I, were, I uh, don't have anything good or bad to say about the Geek Squad. I don't know. I've never really interfaced with them. I just, you know, I find it find it funny that he called a professional in. Yeah, um, the Geek Squad, incidentally, people are idiots. Just saying. Um, I spent I when I got my Galaxy S two. I spent a long time with them insisting that there was a software update available and why wasn't it downloading? Uh, and eventually the answer I discovered was that the Mac client doesn't do software updates, but they couldn't tell me that. It seemed to me to be a fairly obvious piece of information. But there you go, enough of that. Enough of that. Sorry, people. The upshot of that was the store works again now, by the way. So, shop away. Been getting good response about the idea of like a Netflix style audio show thing as well. It's not a bad one, as long as people keep in mind, hey, your new stuff is going to be free. If you want old stuff that's fallen off the iTunes list or whatever other RSS catcher you're getting, then you can stream it for a small fee as much as you want all month long. Yeah. Well, forever, really, like Netflix. It's going to be good. I'm I'm in the process of doing it now. So, uh, yeah. But in the meantime, everybody go and check out the store and get some old movies you should see. Go and get Paddy's TV Surprise or albums you should hear. Weekend Watches and other classics like that as well. <coughs> Excuse me, coughing. Right. What else should we go over? Don't forget to join us on the forum. Suggest any topics that you'd like us to talk about. I'm more no, than happy. suggestions. Yeah, absolutely. So that's all at simplysyndicated.com slash forums. And don't forget, you can hear Jason every week on Atomic Trivia War 9000. Also, bet you can. Don't, don't promise every week, though. Okay, you can hear Jason often on, often <laughs> on that show uh, on simplysyndicated.com. And I also do Take It or Leave It, which we do live every Sunday at 3 UK time, which is, guess what, our tech talk show. And stuff like that. I have to you know, go on. You know, we do we do an awfully good job of getting a show off almost every week, but we have fallen off the horse a little bit this summer. That's gonna probably reverse gears, switch around a little bit this fall. So there's gonna be a lot of ATW nine K. I just feel guilty promising people a show every week and then not delivering it. If we need to skip for whatever reason. I've figured out that if I ever want to be able to moan at somebody for not putting a show out every week. I need to be consistent for about another year and a half, two years from the moment of beginning <laughs> consistency before I get that right. I think because I've spent seven years being in no way consistent or weekly with anything ever. So, yeah, stuff's there on the internet. You go and download it, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. So, that's everything, isn't it? That's our show. That is, and it's been a great time. I can't wait to do it again next week. Me either. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. We'll catch you again next week then. Bye-bye. Uh, have a good one.